Hello, welcome to another episode of the Earrings Off podcast, the show where we have conversations to empower women and the men who celebrate them. I'm Teresa, co-host of the Earrings Off podcast, and this episode promises to be both enlightening and transformative. Today, we have a distinguished guest, a true expert with a clientele that includes high-profile entrepreneurs, business owners, physicians, and those grappling with chronic pain or mental trauma. Our guest has not only garnered respect, but has become a beacon of hope for those seeking alternatives to conventional medical approaches. In a world where stress, anxiety, and the demands of modern life take a toll on our physical and mental well-being, our guest has been at the forefront of revolutionizing how we approach pain. From alleviating pain and stress to addressing sleep deprivation and the avoidance of orthopedic surgery, her method has transformed lives. So get comfortable and join us as we embark on a fascinating conversation with Dr. Amy Novotny. So much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Well, we have with us today, Dr. Amy Novotny. Welcome, Amy, to the Earrings Off podcast. We're delighted to have you. Thank you, Lou and Teresa, for having me on today. It's a pleasure, and I'm very excited to be here and to share and see how I can contribute for your audience. Absolutely. We look forward to it. So tell us, how did you get into helping people get out of pain and stress through breath work? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a little bit of a winding road on how this happened. I started off in physical therapy, got my doctorate in that and started Mm -hmm. down that road. And I did that for about five years, working with people of all different types of orthopedic injuries, uh, surgeries, chronic pain. And at the same time, I was running marathons and trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And I took some courses that looked at the body differently and looked at how we're asymmetrical on the inside, especially in the diaphragm and how we breathe. And when I started studying kind of the mechanics of how we breathe, which is very different from breath work in the traditional sense, Mm -hmm. I realized that it does have a big role in our nervous system. And when I was on the treadmill running eight miles in 55 minutes, three times a week, I started to play with my own breathing mechanics and how I positioned my rib cage and that affected the way I breathed, but it also had this amazing effect of calming down my nervous system and releasing this abnormal tension and tone in my body that I would generate from running long distances and that I generate from distresses of everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so when I was able to do that, I could get myself out of any chronic runners, pains, aches. And I realized, Ooh, I wonder if I can do this with other people. And 
I didn't have to stretch. I didn't have to foam roll. I didn't have to scrape my legs. I didn't have to do all these things I was telling people to do as a physical therapist. It's like, wait a second. Like I'm now going against everything I'm teaching people and I'm feeling better and I'm having better results. And it, it showed up because the next marathon I ran, I flew past the qualifying marks for Boston with no other changes in my training. I didn't do any what? anything else, any other strengthening, anything. And, you know, when you're kind of stumbling on something like this, you're like, okay, am I crazy? Am I late to the game? Does everyone right, right, know this? Right. And I'm just, you know, yeah. just slow. Um, but no, I asked people, I asked other physical therapists, they said, hey, has this ever happened to you? And they didn't know what I was talking about. So I started to play on myself, use myself as a guinea pig, and it became very important to try to discover a process to what I was doing to myself, because if I couldn't come up with a process and figure out what I was doing, how am I supposed to help anyone else? Right, right. Took years, took years. And then once I kind of figured out what I was doing to myself, you know, I asked other people, hey, can I experiment on you? And some said yes, some said no. And the ones that said, yes, I tried things with them. And I said, okay, we're going to change the way you breathe. We're going to affect your breathing mechanics. So the way you think you breathe, and most of us don't think about how we breathe. We just breathe. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll play with breath work and just play with the rhythm of the breathing. But I'm talking about the actual mechanics, where the rib rib cage is positioned, how you use certain muscles to elicit a response out of the diaphragm. And it's very different, not belly breathing either. So just how the mechanics all work together. And when I did this on people and they practiced it, they had huge changes in their pain. And that's how I got started in all this. It's kind of a long story, but I wanted to explain it so people realize that it wasn't just me fluffing, coming up with something in thin air. Well, just in case they think you're coming up with something in thin air, <laughs> let me just say, um, Teresa and I believe you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're 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 yogis and um we have a bit of knowledge about how important um breath work is. So thank you for that response for taking your time to walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. do I do appreciate that. So, you know, I heard this just today, you know, and I hear it all the time. People will say, of uh, people of certain age will say, oh, it's just because I'm old, my knees are aching or my back hurts or whatever. So why do you think, why do people believe that pain is synonymous with aging and why is that incorrect? Mm-hmm. So we often hear that just because we need a reason for why we have aches and pains. Mm-hmm. We know that there are tissue our tissues do change over time and there's some degeneration of tissues. And so anytime we see some type of degeneration, we like to blame that on pain. What people don't realize is there's often degeneration that starts in your 20s or sometimes even in your teens, but you don't have aches and pains until later in life. And the reason why I say that's not the case, that you can't really blame aging on pain, is because I've worked with so many people who have blamed aging on pain, where they get rid of pain. And then I say, well, that didn't change your age at all. So you can't blame your age anymore. And let me give you a little bit more context too. So there's a nervous system in our body that we often call the fight or flight nervous system. It ramps us up. We kind of tense up when we're in that fight or flight state. That's usually 
for most people, the cause of a lot of chronic pain. What happens is if that nervous system ramps up, there's a physical change in the way our body works. Our muscles contract without our awareness, and that causes an abnormal pull on our bones and joints. Wow. If that happens day after day without a release of that process, wow. the bones and joints start to change how they're oriented. And that, over time, can contribute to impingement of tissues and pain. Because your muscles are being told by the nervous system how to act. The muscles act on the bones. The bones just behave because the muscles hold them in that position. So if we have a nervous system that gets ramped up every single day because of life stresses or even greater traumas, and you don't release it every day, which most people don't know how to do, when you go to sleep and you're asleep for six, eight hours, whatever you sleep, and your nervous system is given free reign to keep telling those muscles to contract, you wake up the next day, you haven't released what you were stressed about the day before, and your bones have changed just slightly enough. And you add that slightly enough on top of each other and top of each other and on top of each other, you get to a point where you have something big and stressful that happens maybe in your 50s, 40s, 30s, whatever, 60s, 70s, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, my back. Oh, my my neck. Where did that come from? Ouch. And you're like, okay, well, I, I had that car accident like 20 years ago. I'm sure it's from that. I, I need to go see a chiropractor because my neck hurts because I had a car accident 20 years ago. And it wasn't that. Your tissues healed what they were going to heal from that car accident 20 years ago. If you have arthritis, yes, you have you could have degeneration of the cartilage, but your pain is because you had enough stress that caused the muscles to pull mm. the bones out of position enough that tissue started butting up against each other. And you didn't know how to release it. So when you woke up after something very stressful, guess what? Your body communicated to you, uh-uh-uh, you had too much stress. And so what we can do is if we start to address that and get the rib cage to relax down, change the breathing mechanics so the body learns to release, the muscles stop getting that signal to contract. The muscles let go of the bones and the joints. They go back into position. Voila, you're out of pain. Your arthritis hasn't changed. Your age hasn't changed. But the pain did. And I see this over and over and over again. That's why I try to tell people just because you have a certain age attached to your body does not mean you have to be in pain. Wow. Hmm. Okay. So talk to us a bit more about how breath work really helps reduce or eliminate pain. Mm -hmm. Sure. So there is a nerve inside of us called a vagus nerve. It helps calm our nervous system down when it's stimulated. That nerve goes through our diaphragm. Now, if we use the diaphragm when we breathe, it can stimulate that nerve to calm us down. The problem is a lot of people don't know how to use their diaphragm. And it's not belly breathing, it's not diaphragmatic breathing. When you shove your belly out and think you're breathing in and shoving your belly out, you're actually distending your abdomen and you're contracting your back muscles, which actually ramps up your nervous system. So what I try to teach people is instead of 
trying to do belly breathing or other types of breathing, what we want to get is we want the rib cage to drop down. So we want to stop sucking up our guts, pulling our shoulders back and sticking out our chest because that actually ramps us up. We want to do the exact opposite. We want to let our chest melt in. We want to let our belly spill out, especially as we exhale. When you do that and your belly button is relaxing as you exhale, your rib cage now gets permission to drop down. When it drops down and you can keep it down, that supports the diaphragm to work. When you have your rib cage down, it supports the walls of the diaphragm so the diaphragm can contract better and stimulate the vagus nerve and calm you down. Mm -hmm. And when you do this, you can start to feel just the muscles around your body start to release the tension and it feels really powerful. And so we can use that to get the nervous system to release. And then the second part of that, because we're not done, is we have to teach you how to exist and stabilize in that released position. Mm -hmm. That's what I was wondering about. Yeah. 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 -hmm. It's not enough just to say, hey, let's teach you how to relax, Lou. Let's let's get you all loosey-goosey and then send you off on your way to live again. Can't do that. Otherwise, you're going to go back into the same habits. Right. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Hmm along the same lines, right? Mm -hmm. How do you help people avoid orthopedic surgeries? Right. So similarly to what I was talking about with this, how stressors add up and start to pull your muscles out of position. So let's say someone's going, let's say, Teresa, you're heading for a knee replacement surgery. Hopefully you never have to do that. But let's say you've been scheduled for one, your knee hurts, they've been doing injections, they have tried Mm -hmm. epidurals, you've tried everything. So instead, what if we start to work on your rib cage, get it to drop down so your breathing mechanics change, but then by dropping your rib cage down, your back starts to relax. And we, we want to get your back off because that's also partly stimulating your nervous system. But when we get your back to relax because your rib cage dropped down in front, your pelvis now changes back into a neutral position, which is going to affect how your weight goes through your knee joint and affect the way the muscles pull on your knee joint. So not only by changing your rib cage position do we change how the muscles act on your knee joint, but we also calm the nervous system down so the muscles release your knee joint. So you have two different phenomenons going on just because we changed your rib cage position and how you breathe. Then we teach you how to use your muscles differently because now they're in a different position. And that's how you get people out of a certain surgery is we just have to look at the body part and see how is it out of position And how do we calm down the nervous system and then teach you how to use your body differently so your joint flows easily? And Mm -hmm. I'm not, when I talk about differently, I'm like talking about how do we get you back to your childlike state Mm -hmm. where you were free flowing, where the stressors of your life have not added up to create tension to pull you out of position. And so we just look at each person and see how is their body out of position How do we calm it down? How do we release it? And how do we stabilize? So Dr. Amy, how long does a process like that take? Honestly, it's different for each person. Is it? Uh, It's such a pad answer. And I I hate the answer, but it's true. Yeah. 
some people I've had people where I've worked with them hour after hour, like every other hour over two days, and they avoided a, a shoulder uh, rotator cuff repair. Then I've had other people where they didn't want to do something so so acute where they're just working so intensely like that and we'll spread it out over several weeks. And that's usually the case where we spread it out over several weeks. They learn to shift their body and they can get out of the surgery that way. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That's something to think about the stress impacting your joints like that. And you just, you know, mm-hmm. the compounding effect, you explain that so well. So how do you help people with trauma or abuse get release? Yeah. So, yeah. So often when someone's had trauma, we've all had certain traumas in our past, Mm -hmm. um, depending on your life situations and how it affects us is different for each person. Each of us has kind of a unique response to a stressful situation and our body responds to it differently. So I'll give myself for an example. I'm left-handed, but if I'm in a very stressful situation and I feel like I'm I'm triggered, my left shoulder goes up. Okay. My breastbone also goes up. So whenever we have stress or anxiety, the breastbone pops out. It's a protective response. So I know these two things are my way of dealing with a trauma situation. Yours, Lou, will be different. Yours will be different, Teresa. But there will be a commonality. Your breastbone will pop up and out. Okay. And what happens is when our breastbone goes up and out, that changes our breathing mechanics. Is it the chicken or the egg? Which comes first? We don't know. It often both happen at the same time. Your breathing mechanics change because you're in a stress mode, because you're, you're hyperventilating or mm-hmm. in a faster breathing pattern and your breastbone goes out. And so the more the breastbone goes up and out, the more anxiety goes up and panic goes up because your back muscles are contracting and compressing in the fight or flight nervous system. And so it just ramps you up more and more. At the same time, your body starts to store the emotions that are going through your body in relation to that trauma. And often are stored in the breastbone area, the armpit area, the front of the hips, the back, and then the gut area. And so the more that you've experienced that trauma or replay it in your head, the more the body tightens up because it doesn't realize that it's just going on in your head after the Mm -hmm. event is over. Right. So what we have to work on is teaching a person how to get the rib cage, not only to drop down, but the breastbone to release in and down. And as the breastbone starting to release in and down, it can start to release tension in the muscles and people who've had different traumas can start to feel emotions come out of their body. Sometimes they'll cry. Sometimes they might flail in their leg or arm. Sometimes people can switch into, if they have multiple personalities, switch into a different personality and have a different experience. So it really depends on the person and what how they've stored the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of people who've had sexual abuse store it kind of in the lower abdomen groin area. And so if we're going through someone who's had that type of experience, we have to go through tread tread waters very slowly. So if I'm working with them to r- relax the rib cage down, we want to go very slowly so that 
they feel stable as we release something. Mm-hmm. Someone who hasn't had that much trauma, I can release, 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 and stabilize. But someone who's had trauma, we have to release, stabilize, release, stabilize. I can't let them get fully relaxed because it's too destabilizing and they feel too vulnerable that they will clench back up. Mm-hmm. So we have to go slowly, but bit by bit, we work on the rib cage, dropping down enough that they can start to feel maybe the armpits relax. And then we, right away, we have to stabilize by giving them something to do so they can feel their body is still safe, even if they're relaxed in the armpit and let the motion come out. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Well, um, Dr. Amy, so when you made this discovery um, in your own body after, you know, uh, running and you noticed the change, when you started talking to your colleagues as a health professional, how was that received? Not well. <laughs> Not well. I, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I will say there were some some physicians who used to refer patients to me as a physical therapist who said, if you do this stuff, we will not send patients to you. I had a boss who said, you have to stop doing these things because it's too disruptive and it's not, not right. Mm -hmm. Um, And there eventually at, this is all happening at the same time. There was eventually a, a young boy and his parents that who I knew who had a nerve injury and he was playing sports. He got a nerve injury and couldn't move his arm the way that he had before. So I did some of this stuff on him and he was kind of, one of my guinea pigs that I mentioned at the beginning when I asked people if they I could try things on, and he's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the time frame for healing a nerve should have been several months to a year. And he got better in a couple months. And his neurologist said, who in the world did you use? And really? you get me her information and I'm sending all of my patients to her, especially all the hard cases that no one can figure out. And so he started doing that. And then other doctors who had ailments started to come see me. And that's how I started to gain momentum. Mm -hmm. Because let me tell you, I cried a lot of tears. I'd go home trying to figure this stuff out and working on this on people. And it's so much backlash that there are so many times I just wanted to give up and just say, it's not worth it. Let me go back to doing regular physical Mm -hmm. therapy and just stay toe the line and just keep keep in my lane and not look elsewhere. And there were so many times, but then I said, why am I living then? Yeah. 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 I'm not living truthfully. If, if I don't push this and don't try, I'm like, I have a brain. I have to use it. I have to try. Yeah. I have to try to help people. I get that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we certainly are glad that um, you continue to be bold and to speak truth and uh, continue to down the path of doing what you know to be the best way to address and resolve these issues. So thank you so much for coming on Earrings Off. Those are all of the questions that we have for you today. Do you have any parting words or information you want to share with our audience? Sure. There's tons of information they have on my website that people can go and consume um, and learn more. 
And the website is pabrinstitute.com. I also say PABR Institute. It stands for Pain Awareness Breathing Relief. Mm -hmm. So I recommend people go there. Tons of information. Um, it links to my YouTube channel and other social media, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> everyone's everywhere on social media nowadays. But I just tell people as you go throughout your day, really watch how much you're sucking your gut up and in and try to reverse it. Let it out. Sit back in your chair and let your belly out. Let your rib cage drop down, belly out. I say ribs down, belly out. And then I try to get that into people's head so that they can start to give their body permission to release the tension that builds up every day. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Amy, for coming on Earrings Off. We know that uh, our audience um, will certainly be the better for having listened to you and learned from you. So thank you again. And we wish you all the best here at Earrings Off. Take care. Thank you so much.